Ridiculous. Welcome to Ridiculous, an extensive look into the world of Harry Potter. I'm Samantha. I'm Julia. And I'm Robin. And we're digging deeper into a world we love to learn more about the wizarding world. Welcome back, everybody. Hi. Hello, hello. So I'm so excited we get to talk about my favorite, my favorite, my favorite, my favorite. I think I could easily say, like, after the doing the work for this podcast, I don't know if she will top loop in for me, but she's definitely just mid number two. I think that I think that what makes her my favorite not only is because she's just a cool ass woman is the fact that Maggie Smith p- played her, and I just love Maggie Smith. And she had breast cancer while she was playing her in the movies. Yeah. I, know, I mean, I mean, how much, how much stronger do you have to be? But I think that that's... you are taking on that, you know, treatment, and then you like, I can act too. I mean, come on. Maggie Smith is like, such a great actress is because like she's able to do something like that. And like she she portrays McGonagall perfectly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The stare when she gives them the look. Oh my Ooh, god. Yeah. It's, per- it's totally perfect. It's exactly the way Joe wrote it. Like I it's it's exactly oh, what oh, I imagined. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's totally encapsulated and portrayed it so well. I mean, it's like Joe had her in her head when she was writing it. It was perfect. Didn't Joe say that, I I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought Joe had said at one point that McGonagall was her favorite. Or was it, was it Luba? I don't remember. Here. I don't remember either. I could, could be. Um, so we're all still quarantined. Yeah. Except I get to get out of the house daily and deal with idiots. Yeah. Daily. 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 Fight me, Robin. At least you're not stuck in a house. No. No, no. No, no. I'd rather. I can't tell you. Yesterday. Not yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday because I lost internet and they had to come and. Oh, my God. Anyway. So this guy comes in and um, he and he goes. Uh, and I put my mask on, my beautiful Harry Potter mask. Oh my God. I can't thank you enough, Sam. You're I can, welcome. not only can I breathe out of it, it doesn't sit on my mouth. Yeah. And it's, it's not hot. It's, um, so it's a mask. And so it literally like comes away from the face while still covering the whole face. So yes, it's it's, cool. I love it. So of course he, he walks in and I, I, I'm being, I'm mandated. I mean, they sent out, you know, mandated. I have to put it on. So he walks in and he goes, Oh, you're one of those. I was like, I'm so I'm sorry. What? He goes, you're one of those. You believe the crap that's going on. And I was like, how can I help you? He's going to be the next and of course he, COVID because of that stupid. Oh my God. Well, then he wanted to look at doors. Well, instead of taking people over to the doors, because I don't want you to touch anything and I don't want you infecting the area. I have him printed out on a sheet of paper. So I handed it to him. He walks up and I said, you can grab that. He walks up to the counter. He grabs it and he starts, and then he starts to walk towards me. And I said, no, 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 you have to go back over to the red carpet and stand there. And he looked at me and he went, are you, are you kidding? No, I'm not. Well, then some other guys came in. So I went to go do what I needed to do because I didn't have internet. So I had to pull up all these other programs so I could actually find out what the freaking price is that he wanted. 
And he tells them that it's all a conspiracy. And the reason that we're having this problem is because of 5G. (laughs) Now, hold on. I will say that Randall did find this really crazy article that shows that says like every time that there's a major technological advance in the world, there's a, there's a pandemic. And so, um, like, I can't remember what it was, but during the Spanish influenza, um, oh crap, I'm going to see if I can find it. I'll send it to you. I, I'm kind of convinced that it may be like true, but I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not knocking the, well, I'm not knocking the fact that, that we could have an issue due to technology. I mean, people used to get cancer from cell phones. I mean, I have a friend, his wife died. And she got can- brain cancer from because she was on the cell phone all the time. And the doctor said, "That's that's how she got it." I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm not stupid, but to place but to place blame on a global pandemic on a technology of five G, which is actually not completed yet, is just plain stupid. And I was like, "Dude, you need to leave my store. You just need to leave. Just leave." I'm a conspiracy theorist, so I actually kind of like this theory. Well, like my husband, because um, we get the filtered water from the water company here in town because we have yucky well water. Well, my husband yeah. had gone up a little bit ago to fill up our jugs. And I guess the guy who works there or owns the, the, the business was saying that this is the government's fault and they're trying to kill off people because there's too many people. And oh, I'm yeah, like, I've heard that one before I'm like, too. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, cool, thanks for our water. I, yeah, I had a guy in my store tell me that um, it was created on purpose because we, there are too many people on the earth, and that's why it started in China. I, I just looked at him. He goes, look it up. It's on the internet. I said, so is a whole bunch of crap that isn't true. That's so like I'm that. not looking. He, he comes in several times a week, and he'll say, did you look that shit up? And I go, um, no, I don't have time. I'm watching Parking Wars. He said that. He goes, are you kidding me? I said, no, I'm not kidding you. I don't have time for that. I'm not looking it up. Robin, don't you know everything you read on the internet is true? Yeah. Okay. Okay, dokie. <laughs> Just, it's, oh my God. Oh, it hurts my head. It really does. It just hurts my head. Anyway, so that was my story for the week. I have, I, I have nothing because I literally stay in my house. I made two dresses this week, though. That's something. I made masks, though. I made masks. masks. My yeah. mother tried to hug me. When I met you at the food line, I met my mom first. She tried to hug me. I was like, Mom, really? Come on. Don't hug me. And, and I, I have. I work with the public. You can't. You, oh, my God, people. Come I have on. this. I have this friend, and she's like, the second this quarantine ends, I'm hugging everybody. I'm like, you come near me with a hug. I'm going to come near your face with a fist. Like, ain't nobody hugging me now. She's like, Voldemort, I can touch you now. Yeah. Yeah. When the the quarantine ends, I'm going to be like six feet, people, six feet. We still keeping the six feet. Right? Like, that's, yeah, my, my thing, too. Like, stay there. Well, Jules, you know what Jules is doing? What Jules do? What I do. Jules, Jules is, um, you're recording books for, um, a blind friend. Yeah. Yeah. A, a How cool fellow, is that? That's awesome. Swisher. 
That's awesome. That is pretty awesome. She's a she's doing a lot better than me. I actually won't pick up a book anymore because like I just spend my time sewing. So Alexa reads my books to me. <laughs> well, that's what Jules is doing. She's being an Alexa. Right? Yeah. Well, like like I'm still in school for another two weeks. So between my schoolwork and then my daughter's schoolwork and. Um, I've been working shifts at a local group home to kind of help them out. So I'm still getting out of the house a little bit, but I'm ready for everything just to be over. <laughs> I want to go back to oh, work. Yesterday, <laughs> yesterday was horrible. When I didn't have internet, I was like, oh my God. And I couldn't, thank God I only had two customers. Thank God. And I, and I told the one guy, I said, um, I hope you're not paying with a credit card because that's up to the internet and I'll got it. And he goes, no, I've got the cash. I was like, sweet. So, and then I just me, prayed. I was like, please don't let anybody come in here. And they didn't. So we were good. Let me just tell you about my, how ready I am for this Corona crap to be over. So I have sewed for, since I was probably maybe, I learned to sew when I was 10 years old. And I've always kept my sewing machine stocked. Like I've always had stocks of thread. Went into Walmart the other day. They have obliterated the fabric section. You cannot find thread, especially white thread or black thread. And I am like, oh, an elastic? Forget about elastic. I am ready for all of these mask makers to retire so that the fabric stores can go back to normal and I can find the crap that I need to make my child's clothing. I told you to get you some bungee cords. That's got that's got the um, elastic in it that you need, remember? Not for... Not for um, for leg casings. Uh, okay. Well, I assume y'all can hear the damn the dogs barking. Yes, we can. I don't know what to do. About it's that. okay. I got my wine in my. I solemnly swear that I am up to no good glass. So I'm okay with it. Yeah. I should have brought them in here if they'd lay down. They may. I should send a text to my husband to bring me some wine. <laughs> Jules, can you get Oliver Wine there? Get what? It's called Oliver Winery. It's out of Bloomington, Indiana. I probably have to look. That stuff is hella good. Like, I will drink like six bottles. It's bad, but it's so good. Are we ready to talk Potter? No, we're not talking Potter today. We're talking McGonagall today. Oh, yeah. Well, McGonagall is in Potter. But she should have her own book, I feel like, after doing all this research on her. I idolized the woman before, but now she's like my hero. She she is is Queen Bee. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right, I'm ready. Like, have a biscuit, Potter. Like, best, best McGonagall line ever. Right. Why is it? There's always trouble. It always seems to be you three. Yeah, I love that. Was that a movieism, though, or was that a a bookism? Probably a movieism. No, I think that's. No, I think that's in the book too. Uh, I think. No, no, I'm gonna have to have Jim Dale read it to me. I have the Stephen Fry books on my phone, but I've been listening to Jim Dale 
I found a website where I can listen chapter by chapter. And so, actually, I, did, know, I have Half Blood Prince going right now. Don't get Robin I, I started, started on Stephen, Stephen Fry. Fry. I could, I couldn't do it. I, I tried. I, I, I tried. I couldn't do it. I, I was like, this is so weird. I couldn't do it. I'm a loyalist. So, Jim Dale all the way. I like how he says canuts. That drives me up and, a wall. And he pronounces Voldemort correctly in the first four books. And then when the fifth book came out, the fifth book came out after the movie. So when they did it incorrectly in the movie, they had him change it to Voldemort in the fifth book. Which I think so is he actually dumb. pronounced it correctly in the first four. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, and um, Lestrange. He says Lestrange. Uh, yeah, Lestrange. he says Lestrange. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. <sighs> okay. Uh, Jules, you're up. It's your, take it's your away, way. Jules. I'm up. All right. So I'm going to be talking about Miss Minerva McGonagall and her early life through school. Um, date of birth, we're not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, we're not really sure. Um, when she was talking with Dolores Umbridge about how long she's been teaching, we would kind of assume that she was born in 1935, but if you watch Fantastic Beasts, she's in that movie, and that took place in 1924-1925, and there she is teaching. So we're not really sure when she was born. Maybe Um, she has a time turner and she's like time traveling. Maybe something I don't know, but I'm I'm that, gonna I'm gonna need that's an one explanation. Of the theories. Well, that's one of the theories. One of the theories is that Dumbledore actually got got a time turner, went to her, and said, "I need your help. So you need to come back to this time because I need a confidant, and I don't have one, and you're the closest one." That is a theory. So that's why. She, that's why they think that she was her birth date was thirty five, but she was in back in nineteen twenty, um, in the twenties during that time because he went to her as a favor. I think that the time turner theory is maybe a little far fetched. Yeah, but because- I, I also think that like I don't think that Joe would have done something like this if there wasn't a good reason for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause she doesn't like this seems like a pretty big plot hole, and she doesn't do that. So. Well, and plus Dumbledore says during Prisoner of Azkaban that, that we shouldn't mess with time. Well, like, mess with yeah. things that happened in the past. Right. But, and I agree with you, Sam. I think, I don't, I don't, I don't, condo- I don't contone or not condone that theory of the time turner. That's just one theory that I had heard of. But I, th- I think there is definitely a reason. There's a reason that she is back in that time period. Yeah. Whether the date was mixed up. Because I don't think she ever says when her birth date is. We're just assuming from what McGonagall tells Umbridge. Pink Pants, whatever her name is. Pink yeah, Umbridge. Pants. What did you call her? Pink Pants. Pink Pants. I thought she called her Pea Pants. I was like, what? No, wow. Pink. Pink. Pink Pants. Okay. Blame my beats for her. I don't her. like her. I tried to I forget know. her name. I don't like her. Umbridge. Okay. Her blood status is half blood. Um, her hair is black. 
almost always pulled back into a bun, except the few times that we see her where she's wearing her, her dressing robe and her hair's down. Um, she wears square glasses. Her wand is fur and dragon heartstring, nine and a half inches stiff. But, Robin, you said that you have the wand from the wizard. I have the wand, and I measured that bad boy today. And it is 15 and three quarters, and I bought it at Universal. So we don't know how long her wand really is either. Well, I mean, you know, you cut. I think Universal made them made everybody's a little bit longer, so it was more for you to have. Yeah, I, I just think that's just the way that they did it. So, but I did measure it, and it's fifteen and three quarter inches. All right, her Patronus slash Andamagus are is a tabby cat with distinctive spectacle markings. All right, childhood. Minerva McGonagall was the first child and only daughter of a Scottish Presbyterian minister and a Hogwarts-educated witch. She grew up in the Highlands of Scotland and only gradually became aware that there was something strange, both about her own abilities and her parents' marriage. Minerva's father, the Reverend Robert McGonagall, had become captivated by the high-spirited Isabel Ross, who lived in the same village. Like his neighbors, Robert believed that Isabel attended a select ladies' boarding school in England. In fact, when Isabel vanished from her home for months at a time, it was to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry that she went. Aware that her parents, a witch and a wizard, would frown on a connection with the serious young muggle, Isabel kept her burgeoning relationship a secret. By the time she was 18, she had fallen in love with Robert. Unfortunately, she had not found the courage to tell him what she was. The couple eloped to the fury of both sets of parents. Now estranged from her family, Isabel could not bring herself to mar the bliss of the honeymoon by telling her smitten new husband that she had graduated top of her class in charms at Hogwarts, nor that she had been captain of the school Quidditch team. Isabel and Robert moved into a, a manse, minister's house, on the outskirts of Caffness, where the beautiful Isabel proved surprisingly inept at making the most of the minister's tiny salary. The birth of the young couple's first child, Minerva, flew both a joy and a crisis. Missing her family and the magical community she had given up for love, Isabel insisted on naming her newborn daughter after her own grandmother, an immensely talented witch. The outlandish name raised eyebrows in the community in which she lived, and the Reverend Robert McGonagall found it difficult to explain that his wife's choice of between his wife's choice to his parishioners. Furthermore, he was alarmed by his wife's moodiness. Friends assured him that women were often emotional after the birth of a baby, and that Isabel would soon be herself again. Isabel, however, became more and more withdrawn, often secluding herself with Minerva for days at a time. Isabel later told her daughter that she had displayed small but unmistakable signs of magic from her earliest hours. Toys that had been left on upper shelves were found in her cot, the family cat appeared to do her bidding before she could talk. Her father's bagpipes were occasionally heard to play themselves from distant rooms, a phenomenon that made the infant Minerva chuckle. Isabel was torn between pride and fear. She knew that she must confess the truth to Robert before he witnessed something that would alarm him. At last, in response to Robert's patient questioning, Isabel burst into tears, retrieved her wand from the lockbox under her bed, and showed him what she was. 
Although Minerva was too young to remember that night, its aftermath left her with a bitter understanding of the complications of growing up with magic in a muggle world. Although Robert McGonagall loved his wife, no less, upon discovering that she was a witch, he was profoundly shocked by her revelation and by the fact that she kept such a secret from him for so long. What more, he, who prided himself on being an upright and honest man, was now drawn into a life of secrecy that was quite foreign to his nature. Isabel explained, through her sobs, that she and her daughter were bound by the International Statute of Secrecy, and that they must conceal the truth about themselves or face the fury of the Ministry of Magic. Robert also quailed at the thought of how the locals, in the main and austere straight-laced and conventional breed, would feel about having a witch as their minister's wife. Love endured, but trust had been broken between her parents, and Minerva, a clever and observant child, saw this with sadness. Two more children, both sons, were born to the McGonagalls. Both, in due course, revealed magical ability. Minerva helped her mother explain to Malcolm and Robert Jr., that they must not flaunt their magic, and aided their, her mother in concealing from their father the accidents and embarrassments their magic sometimes caused. Minerva was very close to her muggle father, whom in temperament she resembled more than her mother. She saw with pain how much he struggled with the family's strange situation. She sensed, too, how much a strain it was for her mother to fit in with the all-muggle village, all village, and how much she missed the freedom of being with her kind and of exercising her considerable talents. Minerva never forgot how much her mother cried at, when the letter of administered the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry arrived on Minerva's 11th birthday. She knew that Isabel was sobbing, not only out of pride, but also out of envy. Whew. It's a lot in her early life here. I think right. that's... Uh, sorry, I just wanted to jump in really quick. I think it's a... I think it's very clever of Joe to have made uh, McGonagall's father a minister and his, her mother a, a witch. Uh, just historically speaking, those two things have not always meshed well together. So I think it says a lot about her father's character that he was willing to stay married to somebody right. that um, most most um, religious people would have seen as unholy. Right. Oh, definitely. He could have, you know, been like, what? You're a witch? Get out. Yeah. I, you know, power of Christ compels you sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Smack her on the forehead. <laughs> All right. School career. As is often the case where the young witch or wizard comes from a family who has struggled with this magical identity, Hogwarts was, for Minerva McGonagall, a place of joyful release and freedom. Minerva drew unusual attention to herself on her very first evening when she was revealed to be a hat stall. After five and a half minutes, the sorting hat, which had been... Hey, Jules. Yeah. You, you, you went out. Oh. Okay, then I'll read. Uh, go, back to, back, go back to drew unusual attention to herself on the very first evening. Okay. She didn't go out on my end. I wonder, is it your headphones, Robin? Because I heard her. Oh, did you? Yeah, I heard her. Oh, I, I, okay, as long as you heard her. Okay, that's fine. Then we'll, um, yeah, okay, because we're going to download our individual ones, so that's fine. Okay, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> um, which had been choosing between the houses of Ravenclaw and Gryffindor, placed Minerva in the latter. In later years, this circumstance was subject of gentle humor between Minerva and her colleague, Phileas Flitwick, 
over whom the sorting hat suffered the same confusion, but reached the opposite conclusion. The two heads of house were amused to think that they might, but for those crucial moments in their use, have exchanged positions. Minerva was quickly recognized as the most outstanding student of her year, with a particular talent for transfiguration. As she progressed through the school, she demonstrated that she had, in, had inherited both her mother's talents and her father's cast-iron moral sense. Minerva's school career overlapped by two years with that of Pomona Sprout, later head of Hufflepuff House, and the two women enjoyed an excellent relationship both then and in later years. By the end of her education at Hogwarts, Minerva, had, Minerva McGonagall had achieved an impressive record. Top grades in OWLs and NEWTs, Prefect, Head Girl, and winner of the Transfiguration Today, Most Promising Newcomer Award. Under the guidance of her inspirational Transfiguration teacher, Albus Dumbledore, she had managed to become an animagus. Her animal form, with its distinctive markings, tabby cat, square spectacle markings around the eyes, were duly logged in the Ministry of Magic's animagus registry. Minerva was also, like her mother, a gifted Quidditch player. Although a nasty fall in her finer year, a fall during the Gryffindor versus Slytherin game, which would decide the cup winner, left her with a concussion, several broken ribs, and a lifelong desire to see Slytherin crushed on the Quidditch pitch. Though she gave up Quidditch on leaving Hogwarts, the innately competitive Professor McGonagall later took a keen interest in the fortunes of her house team and retained a keen eye for Quidditch talent. So, uh, just a couple things there. Like, Hogwarts low-key reminds me of my high school where, like, you graduated from there and now you're coming back to teach there. Like, it's my hometown. Um, the other thing, I seriously love how, like, how she can hold a grudge like that. Like, she wants to see Slither and Beat in, like, every match, and I love it. Can you blame her, really? No, you can't. No. I don't blame her one bit. Even if even if she hadn't lost to them, I'd hold a grudge too. Cause it's <laughs> I, Slytherin. I'm it, sorry. But that's the thing though. Um I, I think that Slytherin does get like a bad rep, but like like Joe doesn't help it because the way she writes them, she writes them all as like mean, evil, horrible people. So but I don't know. Yeah. This is I mean, you don't, I mean, all the people, I mean, Snape was Slytherin and he redeemed himself, but not initially while he was in Slytherin, he, he was me. Did he himself? Right. Um, did he? Did he oh, really? Uh. <laughs> Jules, are you on my side with this? Um. Okay. I'm just going to point out that Samantha, you actually have always on your arm. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> But there's a difference. There's a difference in liking the sentiment versus liking the character. You see what I'm saying? Okay, that's when we get to Snape, then we'll talk about it. Let's not do it now. (laughs) All right. This will be fun. Okay, Sam. So let me also just point out really quickly, um, I think all three of us actually pulled our information from uh, J.K. Rowling's writing on um, uh, whatever it's called now. Wizarding World. Thank you. Uh, But this was originally an article on Pottermore. So I just wanted to say that um, outright. I I went to the Wikia and to the... um... 
fandom as so, well. So I used the uh, Pottermore article as well as the lexicon. But I also I referenced. Well, I also use the um, the Swish and Flick um, Felix file on McGonagall to mm-hmm. kind of like listen along, and I kind of changed a little bit of things. But yeah, yeah, one of their one of their original Felix files back in forever ago was on McGonagall before they moved it to Patreon only. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So upon graduation from Hogwarts, Minerva returned to the manse to enjoy one last summer with her family before setting out for London, where she had been offered a position in the Ministry of Magic, the Department of Magical Law Enforcement. These months were to prove some of the most difficult of Minerva's life, for it was then, aged only 18, that she proved herself truly her mother's daughter by falling head over heels in love with a muggle boy. It was the first time in Minerva, Minerva McGonagall's life that she might have said she might have been said to lose her head. Dougal McGregor was the handsome, clever, and funny son of a local farmer. Though less beautiful than Isabel, Minerva was clear, clever and witty. Dougal and Minerva shared a sense of humor, argued fiercely, and suspected mysterious depths in each other. Before either of them knew it, Dougal was on one knee in a plowed field proposing, and Minerva was accepting. She went home, intending to tell her parents about her engagement, yet found herself unable to do so. All that night, she lay awake, thinking about her future. Dougal did not know what she was. Dougal did not know what she, Minerva, truly was, any more than her father had known the truth about Isabel before they had married. Minerva had witnessed at close quarters the kind of marriage she might have if she had wed Dougal. It would be the end of her ambitions. It would have mean... It would mean a wand locked away and children taught to lie, perhaps even to their own father. She did not fool herself that Dougal McGregor would accompany her to London. She, well, sorry guys, Uh, would accompany her to London while she went to work every day at the ministry. He was looking forward to inheriting his father's farm. Early next morning, Minerva slipped from her parents' house and went to tell Dougal that she had changed her mind and could not marry him. Mindful of the fact that she broke the international statue, that if she broke the international statue of secrecy, she would lose her job at the ministry for which she was giving him up. She could not, she could give him no good reason for her change of heart. She left him devastated and set out for London three days later. Though undoubtedly her. Can I, I want, can I interrupt? Can I want, I want to interrupt you for a moment. Go ahead. I find this absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. And. Just from the way that you were reading it, I could totally see um, Hermione in this situation if she had actually fallen in love with a muggle. Not that at that point she couldn't tell a muggle who she was because even though they still had the statute of secrecy, you could still marry muggles and not have issues. But I totally see Hermione doing the exact same thing. With that ambition to stay within the wizarding world and and not have the secrecy, especially from your own husband. Yeah, I would agree. But I I also think that um, Hermione was so – she was so, like, in the wizarding world. Like, she was at that point, like – she was famous. Like she was one of the golden trio. So I don't know. I don't necessarily think Hermione would have ever been in that situation, but I think had, I think had maybe she not fallen in with Ron and Harry, that that could have been the case. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. If she had been, 
in that time period. Yeah. I think Hermione would have chosen that same path. She would have, you know, not, you know, and if she had fallen in love with a muggle. It's going to be super interesting because Hermione is our next episode. And so it's going to be really cool to to compare these two, arguably the two, what's the word I'm looking for? The two foremost women of, of Harry Potter. I mean, McGonagall and Hermione, you know, they're the women we hear about the most. Right. So Hashtag girl power. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm super excited because uh, there's a section in here where it talks about McGonagall's feminism. Um, so, it, yeah. Okay. I'm just going to keep going because I'm excited. Um, so though undoubtedly her feelings for the Ministry of Magic were colored by the fact that she had recently suffered an emotional crisis, Minerva McGonagall did not much enjoy her new home and workplace. Some of her co-workers had ingrained anti-Muggle bias, which, given her adoration for her Muggle father and continuing love for Dougal McGregor, she deplored. Though a most effective, efficient, and a gifted employee and fond of her much older boss, Elphinstone Urquhart, Minerva was unhappy in London and found that she missed Scotland. Finally, after two years at the ministry, she was offered a prestigious... Per, per, I have issues when there's two P words together. Okay. Finally, after two years at the ministry, she was offered a prestigious promotion, yet found herself turning it down. She sent an owl to Hogwarts asking whether she might be considered for a teaching post. The owl returned within hours, offering her a job in the Transfiguration Department under head of department Albus Dumbledore. The school greeted Minerva McGonagall's return with delight. Minerva threw herself into her work, proving herself a strict but inspirational teacher. If she kept letters from Dougal McGregor locked in a box under her bed, this was, she told herself firmly, better than keeping her wand locked there. Nevertheless, it was a shock to learn from the oblivious Isabel in the middle of a chatty letter of local news that Dougal had married the daughter of another farmer. Albus Dumbledore discovered Minerva in tears in her classroom later that evening, and she confessed the whole story to him. Albus offered both comfort and wisdom and told Minerva some of his own family history previously unknown to her. The confidences exchanged that night between the two intensely private and reserved characters were to form the basis of lasting mutual esteem and friendship. Through all her early years at Hogwarts, Minerva uh, remained on terms of friendship with her old boss at the ministry, Elphinstone Urquhart. He came to visit her while on holiday to Scotland, and to her great surprise and embarrassment, proposed marriage in Madame Puttyfoot's tea shop, still in love with McGregor. Still in love with Dougal McGregor, McGonagall turned him down. Elphinstone, however, had never ceased to love her, nor to propose every now and then, even though she continued to refuse him. The death of Dougal McGregor, however, and although traumatic, seemed to set Minerva free. Shortly after Voldemort's first defeat, Elphinstone, white-haired, proposed again during a summertime stroll around the Hogwarts Lake. Around, oh, sorry, guys. Around the lake in the Hogwarts grounds. This time, Minerva accepted. Elphinstone, now retired, was beside himself with joy and purchased a small cottage in Hogsmeade for the pair of them, where whence McGonagall could travel easily to work every day. Known to 
known to successive generations of students as Professor McGonagall, Minerva, always something of a feminist, announced that she would be keeping her own name upon marriage. Traditionalists stiffed. Why was Minerva refusing to accept a pure blood name and keeping that of her muggle father? The magic? Oh, wow. The marriage cut tragically short, though it was destined to be, was a very happy one. Though they had no children of their own, Minerva's nieces and nephews, children of her brothers, Malcolm and Robert, were frequent visitors to their home. This was a period of great fulfillment for Minerva. The accidental death of Elphinstone from a venomous tentacular bite three years into their marriage was an enormous sorrow to all who knew the couple. Minerva could not bear to remain in their cottage, but packed her things after Elphinstone's Elphinstone's funeral and returned to her sparse stone-floored bedroom in Hogwarts Castle, accessible through a concealed door in the wall of her first-floor study. Always a very brave and private person, she poured all of her energies into her work, and few people, excepting perhaps Dumbledore, ever realized how much she suffered. I adore the relationship between Dumbledore and McGonagall. The that I, I I'm not speechless, but I, there's no words for it. It's awesome. Yeah. It's just totally awesome. Yeah. They have the best relationship, like the best, mm-hmm. not only working relationship, but like personal relationship. Yeah. I mean- and that was where, that was where the theory of the time Turner came in that that would be the one person he would go to, to say, I need your help. Yeah, and I can so come back in time and help me. That that was where that theory came from was because of this relationship. I, I do see how like if he's going to trust anybody with it, he's going to trust McGonagall with it. I mean, he trusted Hermione with it, so obviously he would trust McGonagall. But at the same time, like it's one of those theories that like I don't know, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm so excited. I hate they're not filming. I know. We were uh, we were talking about, like, lack of filming things last night, and there's just going to be, like, a big lull in the next, you know, whenever we get out of quarantine, just a big lull in shows and movies and things like that. Um, yeah. And it sucks that Fantastic Beasts is one that's going to be delayed. But... Um, so Minerva McGonagall was the Transfiguration Professor and Deputy Headmistress at Hogwarts, Hogwarts for over 40 years and a powerful witch in Animagus. Uh, she had a stern exterior, keeping her classes strictly controlled and following the rules closely. Yet she had a warm heart and cared deeply for her friends and students. She also played a vital role in the Order of Phoenix, valiantly directing the final battle against Voldemort. Professor McGonagall... Uh, was the head of Gryffindor House during Harry's years at Hogwarts. Um, I, I believe she was the head of house in James and Lily's years as well. Don't quote yeah, me I on that. I believe so, though. too. Okay. Um, see, she was known for teaching challenging, challenging classes, and she did not break rules or tolerant of misbehavior. She also refused to favor her own house. However, McGonagall cared deeply about Gryffindor's success. She, success she cried when Gryffindor won the Quidditch Cup it is very obvious that like she does not favor her students like she would she took a lot of points from Harry and Ron and Hermione or not so much Hermione but Harry and Ron which that is a um that's a mark of a very good teacher yeah where you don't favor 
one over the other. You treat them all equal. Yes. Yep. So that even makes her more of a hero in my eyes. And yeah, and I they- can... I can confirm that Minerva was the Transfiguration professor and also head of Gryffindor House at the time that James and Lily were students. Okay, I found it. Um, you know, I know it's I know it's probably weird to say, and I know like people don't necessarily base their career aspirations off of a fictional character, but like I'm going to school to be a history teacher, and I want to be a, a teacher like McGonagall. I want to be fair, but I want to be a good teacher. So. I, I've had several teachers that I absolutely loved who were very good teachers and taught me information that I didn't get taught by no, the same information that I didn't get taught by another teacher because they were good teachers and they treated everybody equally. And then I've had one particular teacher who was not, who was stern, but she was mean to everybody hated this teacher and I threw up on her desk just because she was not because she was not because she was mean, but because I was sick and I walked up to her desk and I said, I'm, I feel like I'm going to puke. And she goes, Oh, I feel like I'm going to puke. And I was like, okay. And I puked right on her desk because she wouldn't give me a hall pass and she wanted to be a smart ass. Okay. And here's the thing. You either, either you're going to be a good teacher and you're going to treat everybody equally, or you're going to be a bad teacher because a bad teacher, even though you may know how to teach, you're, but if you put students above other students, that to me, that's a bad teacher. Bad teacher. So I feel like after this story, Robin, your Patronus is so wrong. It's so wrong. Your Patronus should have been a cat. It should have been a cat. Like, True. Oh my True. God. I love it. That's so funny. I'm sorry. That's that's just funny. Mine's a cat. Um, see, well, you should have switched. Well, yeah, but my brother got her, uh, when he, when he got to that grade, he got her as well. And I laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. And my mother took him out of that class. She got him a different teacher. I was like, that's not fair. That's not fair. I had to have her all year. He should have her all year. Oh, let me tell you, I, I have stories about horrible teachers and holding grudges. Like I'll, I'll tell you another time. (laughs) All right. So underneath. Uh, underneath her stern exterior, it was always clear that McGonagall cared deeply for her students. Her first instinct was to protect them at all times, and she could become quite emotional when they were hurt. This right here, I have a couple of teachers who I'm still in contact with today. One of them has six children, but uh, six children of her own, but she will tell you that every student she ever taught is her child. And to this day, she checks up on me. She makes sure I'm okay. And I was a hellion when I was in her class. Like I had her twice. And, the woman, and that's a good teacher right there. That's, that's someone who, who takes her um, career very seriously. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I was, I was devastated when I found out that she was retiring the year before my little cousins got her, because I'm like, this woman, she, she, she altered the course of my life in a good way. Like she's the teacher who introduced me to history and made me love history the way that I do. And so literally my career path is because of her. I want to be a history teacher because of this woman. And then I have another teacher who this, she doesn't have children of her own, but every student she's ever taught is her child. And she loves them in the way that McGonagall loves her students. And she, she would 
go to bat for us every single time. And so she is, those are the best teachers, the ones that care. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it was actually thanks, thanks to a teacher of mine that I was able to go to the fancy high school that I went to. I I truly think we could probably turn this episode into like a teacher appreciation episode. (laughs) So unless you're Robin and you're puking on the teacher's desk. So (laughs) I only did that one time and that was to a mean teacher. In fact, I invited two of my teachers to my wedding. So, um, and they came, both of them came. Honestly, like if I, if I didn't live in North Carolina, I would have, those two teachers that I was just talking about at mine. So, um, let's see. All right. So even at Voldemort's first defeat, she did not celebrate, but instead mourned the passing of James and Lily, both of whom were her. I don't know if we're going to, I don't know if I'm going to, it says both of whom were her all-time favorite students. I highly doubt James was an all-time favorite student of hers. I'm sure she wanted to kill him on multiple, multiple occasions. (laughs) Um, McGonagall often got emotional over Harry's safety in particular. She was proud to have him in her house and was one of those who cried the loudest when she believed him dead. That just breaks my heart. The generally when that when that when that passage when I get to that passage and that passage is read, I tear up a little bit. Anytime McGonagall's showing emotion, I'm like <laughs> big old crocodile tears. Like I can't I can't handle it. Um. So though gen- though generally respected by her fellow teachers, McGonagall had little patience for less competent colleagues. A sarcastic wit came out, for instance, in talking with Lockhart or Trelawney. Though she was willing to defend Trelawney and lead the school in revolt when faced with Dolores Umbridge. She is a tough woman. McGonagall took four stunning spells to the chest and survived, although she walked with a walking stick for a while afterwards. Minerva was not a member of the Order of Phoenix during Voldemort's first rise to power. However, she used her talent as an animagus. Animagus? Can somebody like give me the correct pronunciation of this crazy I think word? It's animagus. Yeah, animagus. I think it's animagus. Okay. All right. So she used her talent as an animagus to help spy on Death Eaters, providing vital information to the Aurors of the of the Ministry of Magic. By the second Wizarding War, McGonagall believed the Ministry to be corrupt and dangerous, so did not spy for them. She became a fully-fledged member of the Order after Dumbledore's death. Which, to me, is crazy, because for as close as Dumbledore and McGonagall were, you would think that she would have, like, willingly joined up during the First War. But, oh well. Maybe he didn't want her... Maybe he didn't want her involved on that aspect of being in the order. But that's the thing. Like, why wouldn't you, though? Because she has, like, she is, we know her to be a great and powerful witch. So, like, why would he be like, look, we, why, like, we Because maybe he wanted, maybe he wanted her actually at Hogwarts when he couldn't be there. Maybe. I don't. Yeah, that was kind of my thought, I don't know. Like okay. maybe, like maybe, like he was—he he was kind of like grooming her to be his successor, and like right. they, they right. both couldn't die. But here's the and thing. entrusting the children to him. I mean, to her. her. And, and I, I get that, but at the same time, like I feel like, like he would like. I, I don't know. 
I just feel like she would have wanted to be part of it. I don't know. That's just my thought. But I do see where you're both coming from. Like, it makes complete sense. Um, so McGonagall uh, pa- always passionately defended Dumbledore and was more than willing to fight on his behalf. Um, after he was gone, McGonagall stepped up to fill his shoes. She drove Snape from Hogwarts and completely trusting Harry's instructions, willingly led the school in the battle against Voldemort even dueling Voldemort herself as the battle drew to a close. She was one of the first to rush to Harry upon Voldemort's defeat, symbolic of the important place she held in his life and in the wizarding world. That... Harry has some strong women in his corner, even lacking Lily. He had Molly, he had Hermione, he had McGonagall. He had a, he had multiple moms, I feel like. it. It's like... Wherever he was at at the time, he always had somebody there watching his back. Yeah. At school, he had McGonagall. Mm -hmm. When he wasn't with the Dursleys, he had Molly. Right. If he wasn't with the Weasleys and he was with the trio, he had Hermione. Yeah. And even while he was with the Dursleys, even though they resented it and they had him there in their home, his, his aunt even... It, just by her blood was a strong woman for him and i because I, she because of her blood she was protecting him no i agree whether she wanted to or not and, and you know we we i think we need to do an episode on the dursleys because we fought the dursleys for so much so much and they were so they were abusive to him but at the same time like petunia did save his life yeah they willingly took in a child that was left at their doorstep right they, right. they should have treated him better. And that was, but, and that was that was Petunia's decision because that letter was written to her. It wasn't written to Mister and Missus Dursley. It was written to her. Yeah. Yep. So it was her decision to take him in, and Vernon went along with it, but he wasn't happy about it. Right. So it was her decision to take him in and to and to keep him safe. And, and so that, I definitely think we need to definitely do a, a episode on, on them and but, maybe one on her by herself. I was going to say, if, if not the Dursleys, then maybe just Petunia, you know, because she, she saved Harry's life. And, and I don't yeah, know, that definitely. may be an unpopular opinion for some people, but I, I firmly believe that even though Petunia was a, a blankety blank she she loved her sister. <laughs> she loved her sister yeah. enough to save her son. She did love her sister. Yeah. She might not have been warm and inviting. Right. She did love her. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Off to Robin. Off to Robin. So now we're going to cover um, her being headmistress of Hogwarts. Um. With her early career, with the conclusion of the war, McGonagall was awarded the Order of Merlin First Class by Ministry of Magic, Kingsley Shacklebolt, yay, for her unwavering alliance to the Order of the Phoenix, as well as being featured on a chocolate frog card, the latter of which were an accolade she admitted she had never imagined receiving. Now, isn't that funny? Like the order of the Phoenix, I mean the the order of Merlin. She's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But the chocolate frog was like, ooh, that's kind of cool. I mean, was it? And she never thought she would ever be on a chocolate frog card. I mean, was it her? Was both it both her and 
sorry, was it her or was it Dumbledore who said that being on the chocolate front card was like their greatest achievement? Well, Dumbledore, Dumbledore said he didn't care what they took away from him as long as they didn't take him off the chocolate front yeah. card. Okay. That was what Dumbledore said. Okay. To Bill, he said it to Bill. Um, four months after the Battle of Hogwarts, Minerva was officially appointed to the position of headmistress by the Hogwarts Board of Governors, by which time the extensive damage done to the castle had been duly repaired. The protective enchantments surrounding the school restored and the faculty ready to re- accept a new group of first-year students for the 98-99 school year, as well as guiding those who would have otherwise completed their studies had not been for the Magic is Might campaign of Lord Voldemort and his followers, such as Muggleborns like Hermione Granger, in finishing their NEWTs in the capacity – oh, and finishing their N- NEWTs. In the capacity of the new chief administrator of the school, Minerva, 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 God, why can't I say that? Was responsible for, among other things, finding someone to replace her as the school's transfiguration teacher. Finding a new permanent replacement for the post of Defense Against the Dark Arts instructor, and eventually also the employment of her f- former student, Neville Longbottom, in the herbology, herbology department. I'm having a problem talking today. Under, under head of department, Pomona Spout. Under the head of the department, Pomona Spout, Sprout, who was also eventually named the new head Gryffindor house. A few years later, Minerva, oh my God, Minerva asked Rubius Hagrid with serving as a special messenger to the family of the young muggle-born that had been admitted to the school, would explain to the children's parents about the existence of magic, deliver their letter of acceptance, and take said student to Diagon Alley in London to purchase the necessary school supplies. On September 1st of that year, Professor McGonagall had diligently continued to collect the newcomers escorted by Professor Hagrid, even after she was in a position to delegate that task, brought the aforementioned Muggle-born student and the rest of the new students to the Great Hall. Addressing the students, she held a brief speech about the importance of unity in spite of their individual differences, citing their victory at the Hog- Battle of Hogwarts as a prime example of what the castle's residents may accomplish when they work together and putting at ease nervous students by reminding them that even the famous Harry Potter had started out as a student just like them. While overseeing the annual sorting ceremony, however, she saw that sorting among the others, Daniel Page, Colby Fry, Lottie Turner, and Robin Thistlewaite into their respective houses it quickly became clear that one of the new students, a girl by the name of Ivy Warrington, was missing from the group. After questioning their new arrivals about her whereabouts and receiving confirmation that she had indeed arrived with the rest of her peers, Professor McGonagall instructed Hagward to set up a search to find Warrington. Before she announced that while members of the staff searched the castle, the rest of the student body should enjoy the welcoming feast while they still could as they would have to be well restored before embarking on a new term of magical education. <clears throat> Later that term, well, did they find the kid? Oh, okay. Later that term, Prof- Professor McGonagall was occupied elsewhere when a group of first-year students snuck into her office at the headmistress ta- 
headmistress's tower to use the Hogwarts pensive to view a memory that had been contained within the locket of Ivy Warrington, and as such, presumably unaware, presumably unaware of their intrusion until afterwards. In the light of Ivy's mistress disappearance at the beginning of the term, however, Professor McGonagall reached out to her family to keep them informed on the situation and eventually got in touch with Miss Warrington's grandmother, whom she invited to the castle so she could shred light on the reason behind Ivy's erratic behavior and apparent memory loss. Sympathetic to the difficulty of Madame Warrington's position in deciding to modify the memory of her own grandchild to spare her the pain of knowing that she had accidentally banished her own sister, she commended the old witch for her good intention and assured her that in spite of everything, Ivy had underwent a tremendous amount of personal growth over the course of her first term, expressing the opinion that the group of friends had, had a bright future ahead of them. In 2008, she gave permission for Dumbledore's notes on the tales of Peter the Bard to be published as part of Hermione Granger's new translation of the book. Okay, that was really weird, guys, because I like felt like I jumped all over the place. I think that's maybe because like um, the books ended with the Second World War or Second Wizarding War, and so um, Max, calm down. Um. So I feel like everything afterwards is maybe kind of like sporadic. So I think it's just going to be that way. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, in 2010, McGonagall served as leader of the efforts of the teachers of Hogwarts in instructing, instructing the statute of secrecy task force members who pursued a professional, a professorship, profession expressing expressing pleasure when a member joined but warning them of the difficulties along with expressing the fact that they could do things they never thought possible she welcomed them by giving them letters between albus and aldebert Al, aldebert waffling to improve to help improve their skills in addressing the calamity specifically in fighting impaired foes in addition, Minerva would teach would also teach them the deterioration hex for impairing purposes and instruct them on proper stances to cast a far more powerful protection charm to the point of enchanting a teammate, along with sessions to improve their attention for details, as well as giving them a lesson on how to best use the strength of allies in battle and visiting to give a personal discourse on how to combat curiosities. McGonagall also a staple in the wizarding community and often attended extraordinary general meetings, most notably the meeting in 2020, 2020, they must be discussing the um, Corona where they were discussing uh, the concerning movement of Voldemort's, allies oh he's the problem of 2020 of the corona furthermore minerva also revealed that someone had taken bloom's bloom slang skin and lace wing flies from the potion stores during the summer break the ingredients for polyjuice potion in 2020 when albus potter and scorpius malfoy did not arrive at hogwarts she sent owls to their parents and later later met with harry jenny and draco 
along with the Ministry of Magic Hermione, the Minister of Magic Hermione Granger and her husband Ron Weasley, to find them. She even suggested having um, Professor Longbottom aid them due to his expertise in herbology being used in the Forbidden Forest. After Albus and Scorpius meddled in time and made it so Ron and Hermione never married, Albus was sorted into Gryffindor and Ron married Padma Patil. McGonagall was still headmistress of Hogwarts. She tried to advise Harry on interfering in Albus and Scorpius' friendship, but he insisted on keeping them separated and blackmailed her into using the Marauder's Map to keep them apart. But after using the map a few times, she again visited she again was visited by Harry, Jenny, and Draco and told him that she wanted no part in ruining friendships, to which he apologized and begged that she use the map to find Albus and Scorpius so that he can apologize to him too. She used the map to discover that they were in the girls' bathroom on the first floor. Minerva and the parents tried to find them, but Moaning Myrtle reveals that they used a time-turner to save Cedric Diggory, much to Minerva's shock. When Alice and Scorpius returned to the original timeline, they found, she found them and they confessed what they had done. Minerva invited Harry, Hermione, Ronald, that's weird that they spelled out Ronald, Ron and Draco to meet with her and she reminded them that although Albus and Scorpius were being noble, their meddling had returned them to the darkest of times of the Wizarding War and to never forget that their current peaceful world had been created because of the sacrifices of those who lost their lives. She then ordered them to find the missing time turner. And I'm going to cry, so hold on. Hold on. Death comes for Minerva McGonagall. It comes for her as it came for her husband so many years ago. It comes for her as it came for her headmaster, the price of his ambition. It comes for her as it came for far too many of her friends and students in one war than another. Death comes for her. Minerva McGonagall looks at death, raises an eyebrow. Death pauses, then nods and backs away. We'll call this number three then, shall we? She she smiles as she turns back to her paperwork. There's a reason her animagus is a cat. That's not fair. I love that. Oh, I had to search for that. I I had read it before. I think I read it in Swisher, and somebody had posted it, and I had to search and search and search for that bad boy, and I finally found it. J.K. Rowling's thoughts. Minerva was the Roman goddess of the warriors and wisdom. William McGonagall is celebrated as the worst poet in British history. There was something irresistible to me about his name and the idea that such a brilliant woman might be a distant relative of a buffoonish McGonagall. (laughs) She is also the first magical character introduced into the books. That's it. So, I actually, um, okay. I have, like, this weird thing I want to, um, ask. Um, so, we've mentioned sporadically through here, like, how, um, the time-turner theory is a thing. So, I'm kind of wondering, um, do you think it was possible that, the lady in Fantastic Beasts was not Minerva, but maybe like another 
McGonagall that was a teacher there? I don't think so. Well, somebody because her father was a muggle. Right. And it also like says like Minerva McGonagall in the script and stuff. But okay. I don't know. Okay. Somebody there was another theory that it her mother. But right. her mother's last name is not McGonagall. Yeah. But maybe she was. And that's using what they call her? her. They call her professed do what? Maybe she was using McGonagall. But then she would have disappeared from home and the minister like would have noticed that. Right. He'd have been like, Well, where where are you going? Right, but does right. it necessarily have to be her mother? Could it have been like an aunt? I mean, well, but then she wouldn't have had the name McGonagall, yeah, but, so. Right, she wouldn't have had McGonagall. Yeah, her father was the mother. was the so. mother, yeah. I don't know, it was just something I was kind of thinking about, because I'm like, maybe, I don't know, because the time-turning theory seems so far-fetched, but at the same time, like, it also seemed like maybe the only thing that could have potentially made sense. I'm going to, I this just popped into my brain. What if at the end of... Um, the cursed child. She takes the time turner, and she sends herself back in to help Dumbledore. But she, I don't think she would have gone back as a young woman, though. I think she would have gone back as her kind yeah, of age. Herself. Yeah. Oh, true, true. Okay. So if the if the case, okay. So if if the time turner theory is true, she would have had to have gone back when in her very early years of teaching so that's where i'm kind of yeah, like 20 20 sir. right because she was like 20 20 25 maybe she was very young so i yeah. i i hesitate with the time turner theory because at the same time like dumbledore does say don't meddle with time but at the same point like it cursed child proved to us that time can be changed so maybe Maybe Dumbledore did tell her to, to go back in time with the with the the thought in mind that she's going to change time. But does that make sense? Like that seemed very convoluted coming out of my mouth. No, that made sense. Okay, yeah, it yeah, made yeah, sense, yeah, made but sense. I don't. But still, like, but then, okay, so she would be a, she'd go back in time and be a teacher at Hogwarts. So I think I don't know. I yeah, don't think that would work. See, and that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like, it just, I, I, there's just some holes there right. in oh, that yeah, theory. There's, there's lots the of same holes time, in Fantastic Beasts. Well, but that's the thing, though. The, what's the the thing with Fantastic Beasts is we're not done with it, so it's allowed to have holes. So, right, yeah. I mean, there's what two, three more movies. Yeah, three more. There's five yeah. movie, five more total. I mean, the five total, they've done two, so we have three more to go. Who knows? It's going to be, I can't, I can't wait for it to play out, because this is, to me, like, I love Harry Potter fan theory. Like, if we could literally just take the rest of the podcast and talk about fan theories, I would, like, just be the happiest person alive. But at the same time, like, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how it plays out. So. Well, yeah. mark it down. We'll have to have one just straight fan theory episode. I know. I was literally about to suggest yeah, that, totally do that. Yeah. one of our next episodes be fan theory because we haven't, Robin, it's the last fan theory episode we did was, um, was it the Dumbledore episode? And it was in the way beginning. 
I think so. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, so we're well, we're overdue for a fan theory episode. Yeah, we can do that. That's totally doable. So, okay, are we ready? History of magic. Do yeah. you have a history of magic? Do I have oh, a history okay. of magic, Robin? I was just checking. Come just on checking. now. As long as the lexicon gives me a history of magic, we'll have a history of magic. <laughs> I I am a history nerd in every way, shape, or form, whether it's fictional history or real fiction or real history. I don't care. All right. So in 1163, Puddlemere United Quidditch team is formed. The Puddlemere United Quidditch team is now the oldest team in British and Irish Quidditch League and has been and having been founded in 1163. Who was slurping out of their cup while I was reading? Robin. I apologize. That was Robin. me. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm drinking wine oh out of a glass. I, just I forgot to my do wine. my mic. I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's okay. Um, so Albus Dumbledore is a fan of uh, Puddlemere United and um, Celestina Warbeck, I believe, has a song about Puddlemere United. Or is there just a song about Puddlemere United in general? I can't remember. I don't know. Is it like, past that quaffle here, boys? You know that one? Maybe no. No, I don't. I don't subscribe to the Wizarding World um, radio. Well, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm so I. I'm sorry. I should. I. I don't know where to get it. I. I would definitely listen to it if I could. YouTube. <laughs> where, where? What is it? The weird. The uh. Wire, we're, uh the weird sisters. Wireless. It? What is it? No. Oh, wireless wi- radio. Weird? No, weirdless, uh, uh, wireless radio. What do they call it? Jules, you're going to have to take over because I got no clue. (laughs) What, like in in Deathly Hallows? No, when they talk about radio itself, what do they call it? The wireless. The wireless, yeah. Yeah. Just the the wireless? Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't subscribe to that. I mean, I don't, I can't get that. I, I don't have one of those radio. I don't listen to the radio ever, so. Yeah, me neither. I listen to podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I listen to books. Yeah. How did you know there was a? How did you know there was a song? YouTube. Oh, okay. Yeah. Everything's on YouTube. I'll have, to look that up I've, I'll have to look that up because I've not heard it. Oh, I have to look that up. Let me let me backtrack here for just a second. Um, Robin is um she's mentioned the Super Carlin Brothers before. Um, on the podcast, they have an episode on whether or not uh, McGonagall is time traveling with the time turner. Right. That's where I got that theory from. Was yeah. That. Yeah. So. Yeah. The Super Carlin brothers. Yep. Yeah. Just wanted to. I enjoy them. There. I enjoy them immensely. I, have, I sure do. I've, I've been slacking and I haven't watched them at all because I've been listening to my books. So. If they had turned it into I a podcast, them. I'd be all over it. But. They actually just—they just announced they have a podcast, but it's, really, I don't. It's not. It's not from the YouTube stuff. It's something different. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm I I don't sit still ever, and so like I'm always doing something. Like right now, I'm I'm spackling my walls, and so like I can't watch TV, or I'm sewing, and I can't watch TV. So I've got radio podcast or not radio podcasts or books playing. At all times, so. Are we ready for social media? Yep. Yes. All right. So be sure to join our Facebook page, uh, Ridiculous Podcast Group, 
And where did our so? Sorry, I'm struggling. Ridiculous podcast. Yeah, but we have the two. But it's I feel like the second one isn't. So our our Facebook uh like page is like ridiculous podcast but our group is ridiculous podcast group so um we are also on twitter and instagram at ridiculous pod and then you can follow me on instagram at samantha goddard 03 you can follow me at running my pups and you can follow me at jay st john 0422 which is my birthday which is in a couple days yay happy early birthday yeah my my uh, 30 30 in quarantine yeah, I love that shirt you sent us, by the way. Yeah, I ordered, a friend of mine owns a screen printing business here in town, so mm-hmm. I ordered it from her, and she's like, I'll have it ready by Wednesday. Yes. Aww. Sweet. That's awesome. Also, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, and join us next week as we discuss Hermione Granger. Yeah. Soon to be Hermione Weasley. <laughs> Uh, thank you for for listening and we hope you come back for more potter we do not need magic to transform the world we carry all the power we need inside ourselves already jk rowling wash your hands stay six feet away from other people don't touch your face and go be freaking kind yes bye 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 (laughs) 